My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to open up the Word with you, and I'd like to invite you to do that right now by opening up to Jeremiah chapter 12. If you're using a Bible, uh, one in the chair or one that you brought with it, just open up to the middle and then go to the right a little bit farther through Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 12, where you can look it up on uh, your phone or on some electronic device. We've been looking at the story of Jeremiah and paying special attention to how he hears God's call and then what happens to Jeremiah after he listens and how that call shapes him. And we're going to continue that today in chapter 12. Chapter 12 is one of many chapters in the book of Jeremiah where Jeremiah starts with a complaint. And his complaints are often directed right back at God, and that's the case here in chapter 12. So I'm going to start reading with verse 1. You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Yet you know me, Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, He will not see what happens to us. And the Lord responds, If you have raced with men on foot, and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country... How will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? This is God's word, and it's true, and you can rely on it. Curious if anybody here has ever had a bad day. (laughs) Have you ever had a bad, bad day? I have a favorite song about that, and I want to show you this little clip about it right now. I have a bad day when I go to Fairway and I pick the wrong line. You know how that happens? 
And I wish I had a freeze ray gun. There's times when I'm standing in line thinking, man, I could freeze those other lanes and I could get through there a lot quicker. What happens when you have a bad day? Does it change um, your behavior, the way you act? Does it change your attitude? When you have a bad day, does it change the way you listen to God? Does it change how you feel about yourself? I don't know if you're like me, but when I have a bad day, it discourages me. And when I have several bad days in a row, it starts to really get me down. And I start to feel like I have a dark cloud over my head. Have you ever had that experience? I actually have a picture of what that looks like if you want to throw that up there. (laughs) I've had seasons in my life where Eeyore was my favorite character. I could relate to him because I felt like this cloud follows me everywhere I go. And this is one of Eeyore's famous comments about this. He says, there's only one cloud in the sky, and it's drizzling right on me, and I'm not surprised. I think that's what happens when we have bad days. When we get discouraged, we start to recognize this stuff happening to us, and we feel bad about it, and we're actually not surprised about it. We might think everybody else is living in kind of perpetual sunshine, and I got this one big black cloud right over me. If you've ever read Winnie the Pooh and the little book that has the map in the back, it actually names the different parts of the 100-acre wood, and the corner, the kind of southeast corner where Eeyore lives is called Eeyore's Gloomy Place. Rather boggy and sad. That's what it's like to live under a black cloud, to live in a gloomy place. It is impossible to read the book of Jeremiah without thinking that Jeremiah lives in a gloomy place. Jeremiah is a guy who seems to perpetually have a dark cloud hanging over his head. It rains on him all the time. Listen to how one commentator described Jeremiah. He's given an overview. Here's what he says. Jeremiah was more angry, more wrathful, more embittered than any other prophet. His life coincided with the greatest catastrophe in the lifetime of any prophet. He was a failure. His words never listened to. He lived through tragedy. He is a man filled with gloom. That sounds like a bad day, doesn't it? If your life is known as being a, a life of gloom, and this stirred up a question within me when I was reading through Jeremiah, and the question was, how do I hear God's call when I'm discouraged? Can I still hear God's call when I'm under a dark cloud, when life isn't going well, when I'm in this gloomy place that's boggy and sad? Can I still hear God's voice? And I don't know if that's relevant for anyone else, but it's relevant for me right now. So I started to dig into it, and I found at least three clues to discovering God's call and listening when I'm discouraged. Okay? The first clue is this. Be honest. In the middle of one of Jeremiah's darkest moments, he writes these words. This is from Jeremiah chapter 20. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. That's a bad day. 
And then a few verses later, we read this rant. Jeremiah says, Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him glad by saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns that the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave. Her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow to the end of my days and to live them in shame? He's got Eeyore topped. But he's just being honest about it. You can't read through the book of Jeremiah without getting the same kind of thing over and over and over again. Whenever there is a discouragement that comes up against Jeremiah, he just lays it out. He tells everybody, and often it's directed back to God. And these passages in Jeremiah aren't the only places in the Bible where we find that this is the case. We actually find this is a very frequent occurrence, probably most frequent in the Psalms, if you read through the Psalms. And you understand, the book of Psalms was the hymn book of the people of God. When they were going to sing to God, they would sing the words from these passages, and many of them are what you call lamentations. They're honest complaints against God. We read through the Psalms and we see things like this. They say, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you abandon me forever? Will you let the wicked prosper? Have you turned your back on me? Why do you stand so far off? Do you take delight when the righteous suffer? Where are you, O Lord? Lord, why are you silent? Why have you not answered me? Why do you hide yourself when I am facing so much trouble? That's their hymn book. Kind of gloomy, boggy, and sad, but honest. When they face trouble, they wonder where God is at. Has that ever happened to you? In the passage we read earlier, Jeremiah says, you know, he starts out all polite. You know, God, I've spoken to you before about your justice, and I just have one more thing to say about it. Why does the way of the wicked prosper, he says. Why do all the faithless live at ease? And then he actually accuses God of encouraging this. You planted them there. You allowed them to take root. You allowed them to live and to continue to be prosperous and bear fruit. The people only give lip service to God, and it makes Jeremiah so angry that he wants to see them slaughtered. He says, God, why don't you just butcher them like sheep? That's what they deserve. He's a man living under a very dark cloud. When discouraged or depressed or angry, the first clue for how to hear God's call is to be honest about it. Now, as a kid, I grew up in a home where we were kind of discouraged from being honest about this. We weren't really allowed to have bad days. My dad, who was so optimistic about everything, would always have some kind of saying or comeback to say, come on, you've got to see the bright side of this. You know, every cloud has a silver lining, right? And what it did was it made it difficult to listen to dad when we were discouraged. Because if you really are facing a difficult time, you don't want to hear Pollyanna talking about the silver lining. The first clue for how to hear God when we're discouraged 
is to be honest about it and to tell him what you're really feeling, to lay it out there. In the opening chapter of Jeremiah, the place where God first calls Jeremiah, I think it sets a little pattern for us. We see this right at the very first verses. God calls Jeremiah, and the very first thing out of Jeremiah's mouth is Jeremiah goes, Hey, I'm just a kid. What you're calling me to is too big for me. I can't do it. This is not the thing I should do. I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I'm not prepared. Jeremiah is just being honest. That's the first clue for what to do if we want to listen to God when we're discouraged. The second clue is this. After we express our discouragement, then listen and see what God says next. Sometimes when I start to feel like I'm living under a dark cloud and the discouragement really starts to settle in, I start to feel like i got to just tell God about it. And I'm going to lay it on him. I'm, it's drizzling on me right now, and I'm getting wet, and now it's starting to soak through to the bone, and I'm feeling cold, and I'm feeling chilled, and I don't like it. And then what I tend to do when I'm honest with God about these kinds of things is once I get myself worked up to it, I just keep talking and talking and talking and talking. I'm going to tell God all about everything I'm discouraged. And oftentimes when I'm laying this out to God, I think I'm fully justified in doing it because I know better than him, and I'm going to tell him how to do it better. And one thing that I tend to do is I tend to keep talking and I never give God a chance to answer me. I read something this week that got me thinking about it. Chris already read it one time, but I'll have you look at it again. This is from Eugene Peterson. If you want to read a great book on the life of Jeremiah the prophet, the book is called Running with the Horses. It's actually based on this verse in chapter 12, verse 5. Eugene Peterson. This comes from his book. I think I got that quote up there. We underestimate God and we overestimate evil. That's what happens when I get into this discouraged mode. I I look at the evil and what I see is I see this thing that's overwhelming and all-consuming. It's like Ray Vanderweel used to have this black dot thing. He would take a white sheet of paper, put one black dot on the middle, and he'd say, what do you see? I see the black dot. And then you hold it right up against your face and you go, all I see is the blackness. And it looks like evil is overwhelming and it looks like God's not doing anything about it. And I keep yapping and yapping and yapping about it. And I don't stop and listen to see what God has to say. Jeremiah sets up a completely different pattern here. His pattern is after he lays out his complaint, after he's honest with God about what's discouraging him, then he stops talking and listens. And God speaks to him. Some of you have been paying attention to the little notes that we've supplied in the bulletin. It's called Next Steps, and we said you should start to pick some of these as things to do to listen. Some of them were like adding prayer or some Bible reading or some time to talk through this or process this. A couple of them were about eliminating things, about eliminating clutter or eliminating uh, busyness or eliminating uh, media, these things that kind of come in. And what these things do if we're constantly getting bombarded with this is we are focused on evil all the time. This stuff doesn't allow us to listen. Jeremiah invites us to a completely different pattern. He says, you listen to me now. And this is what God says. This is in chapter 1 again after Jeremiah goes, hey, I'm just a kid. I'm too young for this. I can't do what you've called me to do. Then God, then he stops talking and God says to him, don't say... I'm too young because you must go to everyone I send you 
And say whatever I command you to say. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. God says, thanks for being honest. I appreciate it. But listen, don't say you're too young because I am going to be there with you. You can accomplish it. You can't do it on your own. But I will be there with you. It's kind of a a gentle, encouraging response. Like Jeremiah is facing this daunting call and he's not sure about his ability to carry it out. And I think God responds as Jeremiah needs in this moment. He says, okay, no, listen, don't say you're too young because I'm there. I got your back. You can do this. I'm going to walk with you. And he gives him some encouragement. God responds in a a kind of completely different way in chapter 12, the verses we just read. Jeremiah is ranting about, you know, you're letting the wicked prosper and I feel like they should all be slaughtered and what are you going to do about it? And God comes back in this instance and his response, I think, is, is somewhat more harsh. He says to him, well, if you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, then how are you going to run with the horses? If you stumble on this flat ground, what are you going to do when you start climbing in the mountains? And what God seems to be saying to him here is this, hey, you think you got it bad now. You get ready. It's going to get worse. You think there's a little black cloud drizzling on you a little bit. There's a storm coming. And how are you going to hold up in that situation? God seems to give him just what he needs in this case also. He sends this kind of wake-up call to him. You can do this. Just listen to me. Isn't this how God responds to us when we're discouraged? I mean, sometimes life is overwhelming and we face things that are just more than we can bear. And God comes alongside of us and he says, okay, I am with you. I will walk with you through this. And other times we get caught up in stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm mad about getting a slow line at fairway. And God comes alongside of me sometimes in those cases. He says, come on, you, you, you're discouraged by this. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's a lot more coming. I think God gives us exactly what we need. So we're honest with God. That helps us to listen. Then we stop talking. We open our ears and we listen to him. And then the third clue is in Jeremiah's response is that then we trust God's words. After we hear what God has to say to us, do we really believe what he has to say? Do we really trust his words to us? God set Jeremiah up for this early in his career, too, because he says in chapter 1, right after Jeremiah goes, I'm too young, I can't do this, then God comes alongside Jeremiah, and he touches his lips, and he says, I'm going to put the words in your lips. I'm going to give you what to say. I will walk with you. I will rescue you. I will appoint you. I'm going to call you to this. I'm in control. I'm already working. Help is on the way. These are the things that God says to Jeremiah when he calls him. He says, this is the God who is going to be with you to rescue you no matter what happens in your life. And the question for Jeremiah at that point is, does he trust what God says to him? God has just said, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. But the best word of all, I think, in chapter 12, of all the nuggets in Jeremiah, this is one of the best. Chapter 1, verse 12, God says, I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. This is a promise to Jeremiah. He says, I will do what I said I'm going to do. That's what God is promising. The word that I proclaim, I will perform it, God says. I will do what I said I'll do. Do you trust God's words when he says that to you? 
So God is saying to me, don't say I'm just a kid or I'm too old or I'm only one person or I'm worn out or I'm discouraged. I don't think I can do it. Don't say that. Say these things can come true because God said he would watch over his word to fulfill it. What God said he would do, he would do. God says you haven't seen anything yet. In that regard, what I proclaim I will perform. And this brought me back into the New Testament as I was reflecting on these words because it kind of picked up on the same idea I see the New Testament teaching us about our identity in Christ. That we recognize that as we move forward, we might be young, we might be old, we might be discouraged, we might be weak, but we have been given an identity in Christ. We've been given new life in Christ. And this is a game changer, this life that we have in Christ. This tells us that when we are weak, then we are strong in Christ. When we are poor, then we are rich in Christ. When we are brought low, then we are lifted up in Christ. When we feel far from God, then we are drawn close in Christ. When we are discouraged, then we find hope in Christ. That's part of our identity. That's part of how God has made us. It's part of God's promise. It's part of the word that God says he will fulfill, that what God says he will do, he does. So that when we abide in Christ, we draw life and we draw strength and we draw hope. And it doesn't matter how discouraged you feel, you're still in Christ. My wife is reading um, Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest, and it's set out in some daily readings. And one of them for actually this past Friday, she came up and she read it to me. And this is one of the phrases from there. He asked, are you painfully disturbed just now, then look up and received the undisturbedness of Jesus. And I thought, are you discouraged right now? Then I should look up at the undiscouragedness of Jesus and abide in him. So that when I'm under a dark cloud, Jesus says, my peace I give you. God asked Jeremiah, if you are worn out by men in this situation, then how are you going to run with the horses? If you stumble on the flat ground, then how are you going to manage when you're climbing in the mountains? If you're living under a dark cloud and feel worn out, then what are you going to do when the real storm hits? I suggest... Three things. Be honest about it. And after you've laid it out before God, then listen. Stop talking. Make room for God to speak. Listen to what he has to say. And then after God speaks, then trust his word. Now, there's this amazing word that God gives to Jeremiah, which is an actual description of him. So we're thinking about Jeremiah as this prophet who's been described as a failure, as a loser, as a, the weeping prophet, as a gloomy Gus. But that's not how God sees him. God sees him completely different. This is God's description of Jeremiah. God says, Today I have made you 
a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its officials, its priests, and all the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Other people call Jeremiah a failure, but God says, I think you're like a steel post. You're like an immovable fortress. You are like a solid brick wall. You are going to overcome an entire nation of people. You know what Jesus once said to his disciples? He said to them, you will overcome the enemy. You know what the Bible says about us? You, dear children, 1 John 4, 4, are from God and have overcome the enemy because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now I'll tell you this. If someone says you're an overcomer, that's a good day. If God says you are an overcomer, that's a good, good day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and I thank you for the truths of your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen.